Well, good morning and welcome to the vineyard. I see uh, uh, maybe one or two faces that I don't recognize. So um, if you haven't had the chance to, if we haven't had the chance to meet yet, my name is Dave and I have the honor and privilege of serving as pastor of this awesome church. So um, some awesome people in it. We are talking, uh, going to be talking about adoption today. And uh, Galatians chapter 4 Paul writes this, he says, But when the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. There's so much in that passage right there, so much. Uh, you know, starting off with, and the time had fully come. In other words, it wasn't just God deciding one day, you know, hey, you know, I, okay, I think it's time I'm going to send my son. The time had fully come means the stage was perfectly set. Everything in history had Pointed and had come together was in culminating in this moment when Jesus came, and and then he says that, that 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 you know when God sent His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. When we put our faith in Christ, one of the many things that happens, one of the many things that takes place, is that we have the honor and the privilege of being adopted into God's family. And that means, for one thing, you know, God looked out and God looked at us and He saw us and He chose us to be His own. You know, sometimes we think that we choose God. We think, okay, I think I'll accept Jesus today. I'm going to choose God. But really, it's kind of a misconception because the reality is anytime that we choose God, we do so because He first chose us. And we do so at his initiation. He initiates it. He draws us to himself. And then we, we you know, uh, wake up and say, yeah, you know, I, I, I hear you, Jesus. I hear you, God. I hear you calling me. And, and we respond to him. He looks at each one of us and he shows us. So we're going to talk about um, our adoption into God's family. I'm going to do a little bit of teaching this morning uh, on this. So. When Paul uses the term adoption to sonship, he is using a very specific term. It's a very specific legal term. Adoption to sonship is a legal term that's referring to the full legal standing of an adopted male heir in Roman culture. Okay, it's, it's, it's a very specific term. As soon as he said that, as soon as he wrote that, Everybody that, that initially read this letter knew exactly what he was talking to, uh, about, and it put a picture in their mind, a picture of a Roman adoption, the Roman practice of adoption. Adoption was much more prevalent among Roman culture than it was among the Jewish culture. You know, it wasn't unheard of. We saw some examples up there of, of uh, adoption in Jewish culture, but it really wasn't all that common. It was much more prevalent in Roman culture. So that is the picture that Paul puts in the minds of the readers of this letter. 
So, you know, he wants to communicate truths about our adoption into God's family, and he does so using the picture of Roman adoption. It is very common in Roman culture, and, and it was a very serious undertaking. It wasn't taken lightly. lightly. Adoption in Roman culture, was, it's, it's different than our adoption today. You know, we think of adoption today, we think of a couple, you know, a young married couple maybe, and they're, they're, they're maybe, um, you know, thinking, oh, you know, we want to adopt, and we'll look at the babies, or maybe a little bit older child. But in our culture, typically an adoption is, uh, we, you know, we look at a child being adopted, an infant or even, a, you know, a teenager, somebody that's not yet reached adulthood, uh, for the, you know, most commonly. But in a Roman adoption, the person being adopted typically was adopted as an adult. They were adopted as an adult. So we're going to look at this model of Roman adoption that Paul uses as a model of our adoption into God's family. And I want to start by explaining a key term that we need to understand. Very important part of Roman culture was this thing known as patria potestas. Patria Potestis. And that refers to a father's absolute possession and control over his family. In other words, the father ruled. What he said goes. And when an adoption took place, what happened was a person was legally transferred from one patria potestis to another. And this was accomplished by a two step process. The first step was called the Mansipatio, and that was a, it was a symbolic sale. What would happen, they would involve involving, you know, scales and, and measuring out copper usually, and that a father would symbolically sell his son and then buy him back. So it happened twice. He would symbolically buy, sell his son and then buy it back. Buy him back, and then he would do it again. He would symbolically sell his son and then buy him back to illustrate the seriousness of, of his, you know, doing this. It's like, you know, I'm going to, okay, I'll, I'll do this. No, I don't want to do it. Yes, I'm going to do it. No, I'm not going to do it. And then a third time, he would symbolically sell his son and not buy him back. That's the first step, symbolic sale. The second step is the uh, vindicatio, and that is the presentation of a legal case for the transference of a person into the adopting father's patria potestas. So what would happen would be the adopting father would go to a Roman magistrate and present his case, saying, okay, this father over here sold, you know, went through this step, and, and sold his son, and now I am claiming patria potestas. And once that was done, after these two steps, the adoption was complete. It was a very serious undertaking with specific consequences or very specific results from that. Uh, and that's what we're going to talk about this morning. Specifically, there's four things that took place in a Roman adoption which mirror our adoption into God's family. The first thing is that the person being adopted gets a new family. 
they get a new family, uh, they lose all rights and identification of the old family, all of that, all their rights, all their identification with, with the family they used to belong to are all gone. There wasn't any, well, I have my adopted family, and then now I have my, you know, or, or, or I have my adopted family, I used to have my birth family, none of that. No longer is the birth family's family is totally in the adopted family. There's no more ties to the birth family. Now, um, you are now a legitimate son in your new family. And, and remember, these were typically adults who were adopted. So if you were married and had your own family and you were adopted, your whole family moved over into this new family. The whole household, the whole family would move over. And, and you are, uh, 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 the, the family lineage transferred to the new family. And an adopted person's rights in standing in the family were just as legitimate as one naturally born into the family. They are no less a son than one naturally born into the family. Uh, this is what happens when we become believers. God adopts us into his family. Paul says in Ephesians 2.19, So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. He says we've, been, we've gone from being strangers and foreigners to now being citizens. We are no longer who we once were. We are now fully legitimate members of God's family. God has now become our father. Second thing, a full as a full member of our new family, we now have a new inheritance. The primary reason for a Roman uh, uh, person to adopt uh, uh, someone in that culture was to have an heir. That was a primary reason. Maybe, you know, if they didn't have any children or they didn't have anybody to carry on their name, they didn't have anybody, you know, to, to carry it, to inherit the, the estate, carry on the family line, they would find someone that, with the characteristics the, the, that they wanted and they would adopt them. Uh, uh, he would adopt them into his family, and then they were unquestionably co-heirs with the natural and with any natural-born children um, uh, that, that were born then or, or, or later. It could not; it's something that could not be taken away. And as believers, that's who we are with Christ. We become fully co-heirs with Christ. First Peter one four says we have a priceless inheritance. An inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. In other words, it cannot be done away with. It cannot be taken away. Being co-heirs with Christ means that what belongs to him belongs to us. Because we are adopted in God's family, we have a full share in our new inheritance. Third thing that happens, the adopted person gets a whole new life. A whole new life. According to Roman law, when a person was adopted, his old life was completely wiped out. Completely. Whatever he, he was before, whatever he did before, the record was completely erased. If he owed people money, those debts were completely canceled. How many want to be adopted right now? Yeah. If he owed people money, those debts were completely canceled because he was now a completely new person. They weren't his anymore. He was no longer that person. Who we used to be completely vanished from all records, and he was given a completely new life. This is why Paul can say in 2 Corinthians 5.17, when he says, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ, in other words, anyone who has been adopted into God's family, 
has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. You are not the same person. Our past is completely wiped out. And if our past is completely wiped out, it means it no longer can define us. It no longer can hold us back from what God has for us or where he wants to take us. Because we are no longer who we were. We're a new person with a new life, walking a new path. And whatever we were in our whole old life has nothing to do with who we are now, how God sees us. Anyone who is adopted into God's family belongs to Christ and is in union with Christ and is a new person living a new life. Who and what we once were is gone. A new life has begun. So often the problem is what we do is we put on our old clothes and then we start walking in our old identity for some reason. We go down the same old familiar path instead of walking in in who God has created us to be. So, Roman adoption, person being adopted, got a new family, got a new inheritance, got a brand new life. And the fourth thing, person being adopted, got a new father. 1 John 3, 1, see what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. That's what we are. I want you to think back just a few minutes ago, the term I gave you, term I mentioned, and we're going to put all this together. The term is patrias, patria potestas. In Roman culture, as we said at this time, a child was under the absolute possession and control of the father. And in regards to his father, a son never came of age. Never came to the point, well, I'm 21, I'm getting out of the house, see you, Dad, I'm on my own now. The patria potestis was effective for as long as, as the father was living. No matter what age the child was, he was always under the patria potestis of the father, or in the case of a daughter, when, when she was married. Um, in the case of adoption, the adopted person was transferred from the patria potestis of the birth father to the patria potestis of the new father. And when that happened, the old father had absolutely no more claim on him at all. The person who was adopted had a totally new father. Now, this is huge. I want you to think about this. On your notes somewhere, it's not in your notes, but write down the reference Colossians 1.13. Colossians 1.13. And then I want you to, when you go home today, sometime today before you go to bed, look it up, and then this week, memorize it. Memorize it. It says, for he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son. We were once in the kingdom of darkness under its absolute control, under the rulership of a tyrant. Dominion of darkness is a tyrannical rule. We were, that's where we were under this rulership of a tyrant until God came in and he rescued us. He rescued us by adopting us. He adopted us and he transferred us from being under the patria potestas of the one who formerly held us in his grip of, of this tyrannical rule of darkness, transferred us from that patria potestas to the absolute ownership and control of God, our new father 
So we have a new father. We have one who is loving. He is merciful. He is kind. He is gentle. He is good. He is everything that you would want your father to be. The old father was a tyrant. Kept us bound. Kept us in, 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 in bondage. And was everything that we would hate a father to be. That's whose, whose control we were under before. And God steps in and says, I want this one for me. And he adopts us. And he becomes our father. And he puts us in his kingdom, under his control, under his rulership. And the old tyrant has no more claim to us. Along with the new father, we have a whole new family, the church. A place where we belong, a place with a, a, a people that we belong to, a whole new family. And along with the new father and a new family, we have a new inheritance that nothing can touch and nothing can take away. In other words, we have a whole new life. We are not who we used to be. We have a whole new identity. Who we used to be is gone because we are made new, completely new. But for some reason... Sometimes we find ourselves walking in who we used to be because we get stuck in the old patterns and old habits that need to be broken, that need to be, our, our, our brains need to be rewired and renewed. We need to reprogram ourselves, so to speak, because we go, keep going with the old and familiar when it really doesn't have a hold on us. We just We've got to change our default. A few years ago, David and Abby bought a new house. A friend of David's uh, bought their old house. And after work one day, you know, David gets in his car, starts driving home, you know, drives home, gets home, pulls in the driveway, um, you know, walks in the front door. And as he's walking into the living room, all of a sudden he stops and thinks, wait a minute, I don't live here anymore. It's a good thing his friend bought the house, <laughs> you know, looking at him, huh? He's like, oh, I'm so sorry. I don't live here anymore. So he got in his car and went back to his new house. Have anybody of you had an experience like that or a close call? I know when we moved, when, when we moved a few years ago, uh, I, we couldn't really do the same thing because our house was, was, was torn down because of the I-69 deal. Uh, but we got in a new house. I don't know how many times I would get in the car and mindlessly, without even thinking, just start driving over to Tap Road toward our new house. And I'd be going over there and say, what am I doing? I don't live there anymore. That's not my life anymore. I live somewhere else. I belong somewhere else. You know, how often do we do the same thing? We walk in old patterns, we walk in old ways, and, and we fail to stop and realize that, say, wait a minute, I'm not that person anymore. I have a new father. I have an, a, a, a new life. I'm, I, I live in a new place. I have a new family. I'm a new person. Who I used to be no longer has right to me anymore, no longer has a hold on me anymore. Romans 8, 9 says, but you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You're controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. We've been adopted. We've gone from, a, a, from one patria potestis, the one, one of a tyrant, to the patria potestis of a God who loves us more than we will ever, ever know. Now, there may be some that come and try to challenge our new identity as a child of God. In a Roman adoption... 
in the case of the death of the father, it was possible, you know, that, that maybe natural-born children, maybe there were natural-born children after they were born afterwards or whatever, would try to deny the adopted child his right or his claim to his inheritance and say, no, you have no claim in our father, and, you know, so, so get out of here and try to put him out. But to guarantee that that wouldn't happen, the adoption ceremony took place in the presence of seven witnesses. Seven witnesses. And seven witnesses would serve to guarantee that the adopted child's inheritance could not be taken from him. Listen to what Paul wrote about our adoption into God's family. Romans 8, 16. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. The Holy Spirit is our witness. He's given to us as a seal, our guarantee that we are children of God. Now, what about that seven part? What about the seven witnesses? Listen to this. John writes in Revelation 1-4, Grace and peace to you from the one who is, who always was, and who is still to come, from the sevenfold spirit before his throne. Sevenfold. John calls the Holy Spirit the sevenfold spirit. Some translations actually say seven spirits, Sevenfold spirit, I think, is a little more accurate. Where does John get that from? He gets that from the prophet Isaiah. The prophet Isaiah wrote in Isaiah 11:2, "The spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord." The sevenfold spirit, the Holy Spirit is a sevenfold spirit, seven aspects or seven facets of the Holy Spirit. So when you start to doubt or you start to wonder, did God really adopt me? And um, did it really work? Did he really want me? Did he really accept me? Did he really take me? Or when others start to point their fingers and try to tell you, you don't have any right to the Father. Who do you think you are? You're not really in God's family. Look at what you did, or look at what you said, or what makes you think that, that you know, you, you call yourself a Christian, or, or whatever it is. We've all heard those things before. When the enemy, who's under whose control you used to live, tries to tell you that you really don't belong to God and that he doesn't want you, the Holy Spirit raises, rises up, the sevenfold Spirit of God rises up and said, this one is a son, or is a daughter of Father God, I am a witness to that fact, that he was transferred from the patria potestas of, of that tyrant to the patria potestas of the absolute control and absolute possession of God our Father, and no one can take that away. No one can take that away. You see how the picture, Rome, Paul's picture that he used of a Roman adoption mirrors that of our adoption into God's family. If you've been adopted into God's family, let me encourage you, walk in it. Walk in it. Walk in who He created you to be. Walk in who He, uh, uh, in, in your adoption, into, into your belonging of the, of, of the family of God with God as your Father. And if you find yourself starting to, you know, go on, follow old habits and old patterns and, and defaulting into who you used to be, stop and just say, wait a minute, this is not me anymore. 
This is who I was. It's not who I am. It has no hold on me. Pull into the next driveway and turn around and head the other way or pull a U-turn. Because it's not who you are. You are a child of God. The most benevolent, the most kind father you could ever... The, the, the perfect picture of what you would want as a father, that's who God is, and he's the one that says, I want you for my own. If you've not been adopted yet, you can be. And I want to give you an invitation right now. If you want to be transferred from the rulership, the control, the possession of that tyrant to come into the family of a benevolent Father God. You can do that right now. What that means, you join God's family because He's calling you, means that you believe that Jesus died for you. And you believe that he then rose from the dead. Means that you're inviting him into your life to take over. Say, take over, take charge, take absolute control. Rescue me from the tyrannical rule of darkness. Take control of my life. Call the shots. I want everybody to close your eyes. Bow your heads. If you're ready for that step and you're saying, I'm tired of living under the control of that tyrant that I was living under before. The one who's wreaked havoc in my life. And I'm ready to come into your family, Lord. Then with nobody looking around, I just want to encourage you to just slip up your hand and say yes to Jesus. Say yes to your Father. We're just going to take a minute. We're not going to take long. Know that he's calling you. And know that he will never stop. There's no wall he won't break down. How's the song go we sang before? There's no wall he won't break down. There's whatever. All right, let's pray, and let's have the worship team. We don't have a worship team. That's right. Let's have the MP3 come up here, and uh, we're going to, we're going to uh, uh, pray, have the ushers get ready before they come. Father, we thank you so much for what all you've done for us in adopting us into your family. Lord, I was drowning in quicksand, being sucked in more and more. And that tyrant, the enemy, was laughing. But you came you stretched out your hand and said this one is mine and you pulled me out 
and you set me on solid ground. And I can't thank you enough. Keep doing what you do, Lord. Keep rescuing. And Lord, may our hearts be ever so grateful for what you've done for us. In Jesus' name, amen.